Welcome to the world of stand-up. Woo! You're back. I'm back. Okay, so just because we were talking about this, I want to finish my description of Sausage Party, Sausage the movie. Party. I still haven't seen it. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's so good. <laughs> Seth Rogen wrote it. It's a it's an adult animation. has all the swears. But the metaphor is hilarious to me because all of these vegetables and breads and everything inside the store, they have this like religious sort of zealotry over the people picking them to be taken home. And that's what they call going to the great beyond. <laughs> it's like Leave God, the grocery store. I'm chosen by God to oh. go to the grocery store. And then this like can of Dijon mustard gets returned back. <laughs> I've seen and he's like, things. you fucking crazy asshole. That's not what you think. It's a big oh lie. Oh, that narrative's incredible. What a commentary. It's so good, dude. That sounds unsettling. Yeah, yeah. Sausage Party, you know, it's going to be pretty pretty rancid. I haven't seen it yet. Well, dude, it's so, like, one of the, so Seth Rogen is, a, like, a hot dog, and then okay. Kirsten Wig plays, like, a bun, and they're All hoping right, to get picked together so that that hot dog can slide into that <laughs> bun. Just the, the tips. Oh, my gosh. Dude, it's so good. The meta to that's kind of hysterical if you think about it, you know, because it is everybody's trying to, I think right now there's this massive awakening. You talk with anyone for five minutes, especially if they have like a religious background, like we've yeah. talked about it, we have religious backgrounds yeah. and everybody's kind of, the way I was raised was kind of in a very insulated, like zealous environment. Dude, uh, when I was a kid, parents wouldn't let their kids watch the Simpsons, man. Like my mom wouldn't let me watch Power Rangers. Power Rangers. Yeah, yeah, you got Simpsons, Power Rangers and it was like, that was off the table. She's like, I don't violence. want my kid turn out gay. If he does, he's gonna She's watch like, Power Rangers. like, the Pink Ranger's too hot. He might have a... <laughs> Which, by the way, who's ever gay? We got no problem with it. That was a thing back. It was back then. Did anyway. It's a different time. It's funny totally. how that doesn't age very well. Certain jokes, even like Adam Sandler movies. Now you're like, whoa! How do people get away with? Dude, I still laugh harder than ever though, because I'm like, thank the Lord that's still available to laugh at. Do you find Adam Sandler funny, bro? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you watch his comedy special, the last one, which, dude, what's it called? It's like called Fresh Something. Adam Sandler's most recent comedy special that he did, not his most recent movie, but his comedy special. It's it's hilarious. It's these clips of all of these like venues that he did musical comedy and wrote songs and jokes and performing. And it's, it's really, really well done. Huh? Did you see murder mystery? Cause I was completely was horrible, off. Horrible the movie. I liked his acting though. To be fair, it's like in the nineties, it was like, haha slapstick funny, like him and Jim Carrey, where they're these like excessively expressive, like, you know, they do that thing. Yeah. And that was like funny in the, in the nineties, it didn't age well. So now everybody like, I watched when you say it didn't now. age well. What do you mean? Like, I mean, you watch it now. It's just, it's cringy. At least for me, I'm also 30. So. Which movie? Like mystery date. I would, uh, well, mi murder mystery, whatever. Yeah. yeah we watched Aniston? that the other night. Yeah. I just yeah. thought his acting was better. I was excited to see that he'd evolved. He's not still trying to be Adam Sandler in the nineties. Yeah, I, I just got to call you out on this shit, dude. Like you're actively, you're actually talking about Adam Sandler's acting getting better, dude. What do you mean? His <laughs> delivery, his timing. He's a freaking shithead comedian. He's just trying to do fart and dick jokes and give his buddy a job every time they do a movie. Have you ever noticed that? Like his, all of his friends are in the same movies. Really? And <laughs> they're in these exotic locations that are awesome. And he always has one hot chick. <laughs> it's the perfect. It's idea. the it's perfect. Like, like, let's go take a three month vacation, make a movie out of yeah. it. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey, Spade, you want to spend three months in Hawaii? Uh, I want to spend three months. Brooklyn Deckler's going to be the main actress. I think I can do that. Yeah. Twist my arm. I could be there. Yeah. Good grief. Going back to Sausage Party, that meta narrative is funny because there's yeah. a lot of people that are starting to have this kind of like, you know, someone told me, he said, I think religion is inherently not trying to be corrupt and has become something like that and spirituality is king. And I thought that that was pretty interesting. But uh, spirituality is getting to the point where it's getting kind of corrupted. Well, yeah, there's a lot of, 
you know, rub a crystal and double pierce your nose and then suddenly well, you're no, I just more else. like kind of the capitalistic nature of it that's getting brought in where it's like oh. you're having these like airy fairy, you know, spirit coaches. That yeah. Are like in order to tap into your manifestation crystal, you need to pay my 50 grand or whatever. And Man. it's like, uh, isn't that how Scientology? Uh, I don't shout out Scientology. I don't know. Did it? Tom Cruise. <laughs> oh my gosh. Have you seen Top Gun? You don't even watch this podcast, man. I've done Bro. a thing about Top Gun on this podcast. Okay, it was very good. So why did you ask me that if you already knew that I'd seen Top Gun? Well, I didn't know that for sure. Yes, you did. I talked about, unless you didn't watch the video. Dude, I'm calling you out, bro. Look, you're sending me 10-minute videos, my guy. I, I gotta, I'm making music. They're two-minute videos, bro. <laughs> Long form on Instagram. How's that treating you, by the way? What the f- I did it once. It treated me like shit. No long form on Instagram. Yeah, Instagram is it's Two minutes max. Yeah. And it's, I wish Instagram would get their shit together and have their reels be longer like like TikTok does. But It's just the attention. Like the, TikTok will do it because you have a curated audience that go, hey, this person's obsessed. Okay, one of my favorite TikTok accounts is called Zeth. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it. It's nope. like the San Diego skater guy had his little kid. Oh, She's bro. like two he years the one old. That, like gives commentary, bro. No, dude, oh. he does a whole podcast with his like two-year-old. Okay. She's the cute, right? The cutest videos I have ever seen in my life. Like, they're sitting there eating eggs, and she goes, oh my gosh, that's so cool. We're eating eggs on a podcast. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I love this. And he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to keep doing this all the time. Everyone's going to start doing it. She goes, do you think Joe Rogan watch our videos? And he's like, if they're eating eggs on the next podcast, they watch our stuff. Oh, my, dude, I have to show you. Okay, the cutest thing ever. Zeth, but if you're, yeah. like, into, like, that account, they could post a 10-minute video. I would watch that. Is it? Natural. I got a question for you. So... Christmas just ended. We're in the new year. Oh yeah, Alicia Keys commented on this. Oh, that's hilarious. Can you talk closer? <laughs> oh, there it is. Oh, I love it, dude. Dude, literally. And so they said that he sat her down and he was just having her do a mic test, and then yeah. she just started saying all this kind of like hysterical stuff. And he's like, "What is my two-year-old doing?" And then the whole podcast is now just them, him just teeing her up and her just going crazy. Smart kid. Okay. I think that comes down to like not baby talking your kids. Because I have so many kids. I don't have any kids. I have a cat. Yeah. So many. No. But I imagine Are when I raise kids. A confessional <laughs> moment here? <laughs> I imagine when I have a family, I'm going to, as soon as possible, try and not baby talk. Because he just talks to her in full sentence, uses words. She has no idea what he's even referring to. And she's just like a you tiny You know what's genius. even worse than the baby talk is the talk of animals. Like we... Oh. Not, not to bring the room down, but we put our dog down yesterday. Dude, our our pug, so fifteen sorry. years old, dude. Oh. It was. I actually liked that dog, so it was kind of rough, really rough. My point is, every person in the vet. You don't talk like that with your pets. That's exactly no, how I talk to my cat. No, Amy does, mm. but I'm like, <laughs> when they're female, of course, I'm like, bitch, get the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I talk to them like they're like they're human. Yeah, respect. Yeah, full senses. Our, our our pug was the one I liked. She was sweet. And His pictures were cute. Yeah, she's awesome. But the whole point of me bringing that up was to talk about my dead dog. It was to talk about <laughs> like, dude. Yeah, I mean, I bet that some of those women in the veterinarian clinic accidentally talk like that to themselves. Stephanie Wiffenick and you. She's looking in the mirror in the morning. You look great. Your foundation turned Aww, out perfect today. You're so cute. <laughs> you're going to go out there. Your eyeliner looks great. You're going to slay, sweetie. Hey, you know, maybe there's something oh, to that. You're going to slay. You're going to slay. Can we talk about how lucky we are as men to just roll out of bed and maybe you do something with your hair and you're set? Because everyone has a general broad expectation and of you just hitting some average mark. We don't have to like do our eyelashes or any of this other stuff. Here's our face. 
take it or leave it. And there's just well, like, cool. Doesn't yeah, that work until out. you get older, dude. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So you're wearing makeup? No, it's but, okay if no, you like, are. Le- the lights are hot. No, legit, full, full disclosure, yesterday uh, I got like this hydro uh, facial. No way. How was one it? One of those Botox clinics. Did you like it? It's freaking dope. Feel good? Yeah. I felt like a movie star when I walked out of there. Look like a movie star. We were talking about the beard game before that. I was like, it's a good yeah. look. Yeah. It's growing in. I, I need to address that because, like I was telling you before. Hold on. Before we do this, this is Brady Edwards. If you're listening to this, he might sound familiar because he was on just a couple episodes, but I wanted to bring you back on into the full regala of the three camera angle video. This is bananas how much this has changed since I yeah. was here, like a month and a half ago. Well, plus you passed a benchmark where you can actually talk about what's going on with Mr. Beast and all that thing that you had before. Finally can. Instead of like putting, your, around putting your money at Jeopardy. So yeah. we'll... <laughs> We'll talk about that, but but back to my beard. I, I I was I legit thought kind of in an ironic way I was gonna do a Top Gun mustache. Yeah. Okay. So I was like I'm gonna shit because you know they basically just like they they go they, they cut off the top. It's like the I wanted to do that, but I'm not stupid. I'm like okay, in order to do that, Test I need it. to leave. I need to leave like some. I need a way, a way out. Back okay? up. So I didn't. Way. So when I shaved around, I didn't shave with a razor. I shaved with the clippers, and it just didn't have any attachment. So it was oh, like you to went the no skin, guard, no guard, Wild, man. And my then gosh. I'm doing that, and I'm looking at this thing on my lip, deciding if I needed to, you know, shave it with the razor. Did you look like Rooster? Uh, no, n- not even close, dude. I looked, I looked like a dude with shit on his lip. <laughs> Like gray <laughs> and silver don't look good in mustaches. Oh, I don't know who's made that rule up, man. I disagree. It's a look. You just you, there's no you can't see it. That's the problem. You can't see the mustache. Thought about dyeing it. And it's on to, the podcast. If you do it, everyone's gonna know. But also, well, who cares? Well, uh, no, I didn't think of dyeing it because I don't do that anymore. I used to dye my beard. Really? And then as it started to get more and more gray and more and more white, like it was having to be like a weekly thing. And I'm like, this just looks bad. It's a lot of upkeep. I look like, you know, one of those guys that's like a crooner on a late night singing show. Hey there. Like, you know that dude's That's great, actually good. Great you are a good shit. Singer. And like, you, you, can, be a see, you can see the dye coming off of his skin. Like, he's, he's just sweating off all of his fake bacon. Dude, speaking of self-deprecating stories, before I started shaving my head, I used to, like I had, so I, I actually had hair restoration surgery. So there's a scar in the back of my head and no they, they gave me a new hairline. Oh, nice. Yeah. But what they don't tell you is that everything else still recedes. So, like, if I was to grow my hair, I have a great hairline. I just looks like a crown. Like, I'm wearing a tiara. Curious. But, so, like, before that got really bad, there was this, like, stuff that you could sprinkle on your hair called kabuki. What? And it was supposed to, like, attach itself to your hair dirty on the to internet? make your, yeah, not bu- buta- bukkake. I'm totally misunderstood. Yeah, it's so embarrassing. I don't put bukkake in my scalp, <laughs> for the record. I want to make sure that's clear. Sauce. I'm looking at we every can No bukkake in my scalp, all right? Kubuki, it was this powder that would, like, attach to your hair and make your hair thicker so that it, you couldn't see through it. Oh. So it, like, got rid of, like, the appearance of, blo- like, of so- like you thinning know, out, thinning sure. out. Life hack. But it didn't really work. Huh. It just looked like I had, like, fucking salt and pepper in my head. Some people just do not have the head for the full bald look, and you definitely do. Okay. So leaning into it. Well, your God, God was like, you know what? I'm going to fuck you on this one, but I'll make it up with the dome. Because you know? <laughs> I do have a decent head for I've seen for bald dudes that do not have the head for being like a bald They have, like, orbs, dude. shapes, and yeah, things it's not, it's not the move. It's like but. the guy from Goonies, man. Like, I got lucky. Uh, they say the genetics that you get for your hair, it comes from your mom's yep, dad, right? Yep. So my beautiful, wonderful grandpa and grandma, rest their soul, he passed away with a full head of snowy white hair, just luscious. And I was like, you know, thank you. Thank See, you for that. My, my mom and her craziness, she tried to pass that off to me. Um, 
saying that my grandpa Grossbeck, who was my my mother's father, had a full head of hair, and it was bullshit. He wore toupees all the time. And I'm like, Whoa. Mom, you knew he wore a toupee. How dare you act like I was going to have a full head of She's hair? She's like, it's manifesting. I was trying to tell you the right story. Yeah. There's something to that. I used to not be able to grow a beard at all. And then at one point, before I took anything from Upgrade, you or got really your had pubes, it, and it grew in. I just squeezed. I looked in the mirror, and just doink, doink, one by one. No, but I really, like, my little brother comes up hot out of nowhere, growing this gorgeous beard. I was like, this is messed up. We have the same genetic background. Like, what? So I started going, I think my beard's coming in a little bit more today. Every day. I think it's coming in a little bit more today. And I don't know if it was true, but eventually it was. I bet you believe it's true. Oh, it 100% is true now. Does it work for other parts of your body? Um, that's an ongoing experiment. <laughs> talking about my eyebrows, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm not talking about other parts of our body that we might uh, wish were longer. Uh, size 11 and a half, man. I'm good. Okay. Good for you. Well. Like, like like they say, you have big hands. Too. You know what they say when you have big hands and big feet, right? Big gloves and big socks. Oh, you're a clown. Damn. Yeah, I walked right into that. <laughs> I can't. This really is the comedy special. Yeah. It's a stand up. I mean, yeah. I like the blue. Well, dude, this the whole thing was new. to be entertaining and fun and everything, but have interesting conversations. Like, I I, I don't want to have the the audacity to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's like, I kind of wanted to pattern it after Rogan. I wanted to be able to have, like, my comedy friends on and talk shit and laugh. I love and that. Then, other smart people that were in If you're entertaining and I can have a good conversation with you, I will allow you on this show. I like that he if you're calls boring his own, as fuck. See ya. Yeah, no, actually. He gets to pick whoever he wants, right? That being uh, his oh, show. 100%. There's like lately you can tell sometimes there's like comedian after comedian after comedian and then someone from the UFC and then like those really draining, heavy hitting questions where they really will, they'll get like a scientist talking about like the global warming dilemma. It's like there's two dimensions to that. So it's interesting. There's a huge balance when you're like, okay, there's like five comedians in a row. Yeah. So I can imagine he's just like, he's just I'm like not trying bored. to have hard conversations yeah, this like week. I'm, you know? I think I'm tired of this. I just want to get high. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see his and Post Malone's interview? They were obliterated. Yeah. Well, it was like, fill the blanket on most any interview that he does in his California studio still, he's it's always stoned. <laughs> was he, weren't they on mushrooms with Post Malone? Oh, yeah. They were gone. Yeah. Well, he's been on mushrooms with uh, Duncan Trussell a bunch, too. <laughs> I love Duncan Trussell. Yeah. He's so funny. Have you seen what is it? The, the, the Midnight Gospel? You've seen that, right? What is it? Oh, so that's, my gosh. Right? Is Duncan Trussell's animated show. He goes into the studio and basically riffs for an hour, and then they animate the most bananas things around just his open, free-flowing dialogue okay. and then create a whole story out of it. And it's everything from, like, what is the meaning of life? And what does death mean? And what is our purpose here? And why is it some people are sad? And what is the unconscious mind? And then just, like, the wildest stuff in between. And it's Duncan mm. Trussell. Like, he... Dude, it's on Netflix. <laughs> I was going to go and do that. It's on Joe literally Rogan's podcast, and I did as a midnight miracle. Hey, they're always in uh, robes. We should do a robe episode here. I'd be down. I'd maybe be down. we wear like a Power Rangers suit because my mom hates it. I'm kidding. You're saying that, dude. Your mom has an issue with Power Rangers. Mom, what's up with the Power Rangers, man? It it's martial came... arts, and, and it's, it's privacy-based. You have no idea who's under I mean, th these are principles that nowadays we don't honor. Mm, mm. We don't honor athleticism. We don't honor the ability and skill to fight. We don't honor keeping your identity to itself. Everybody's wanting to show their ass on Instagram. Like, Look, I got a lot of likes on that picture, to be fair. so Which picture are you talking about? Clearly the one you didn't like. Clearly. Mm. I'm a comedian, too. You didn't know that? Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> Thanks for this giant thermos, it's, by the way. It's, I'm not giving you the thermos. You get the water in it. But. Yeah. Oh, I don't get to keep that. <laughs> Dang, dude. No stand-up logo on it where everybody gets no, one on the way no, out. Dude, hey, what are you doing, man? You're talking all the shit on this before... <laughs> We're just warming up, man. Uh, yeah, no, this is fun. So, uh, anyway, you're back. I am back. Okay. Happy to be here. This whole thing has changed. I'm stoked. Yeah. 
I, uh, I'm, I'm doing that with you and, and I'm at Rodney Norman's coming back on. Nice. And uh, there's a couple others I'm trying to get on, but I don't know if they will. But Well, it was cool before. You had the, the mixer here and we had the microphones and it was cool. We had the headphones and we were just talking. Having actual video is a huge way to a, maintain retention, right? Yeah. But then you're putting it out across a whole bunch of other stuff. Then people see you. It's like you can listen to somebody all day, but like I'm on the treadmill and I'll watch, you know, the All In Summit or Joe Rogan or Lex Friedman. I like being able to watch it. I want to yeah. see them. I want to see what they're doing, yeah. you know? Yeah. So this is awesome. I mean, you got three different angles, the lights. This is so cool. Yeah, we have the, the naked Indian behind there to keep you distracted. It's fun. I don't know if I'm, I can't comment on that, bro, but that's cool. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we talked about it. Well, I don't, I don't think we even need to reference your last interview because I'm pulling it down. Like, if anybody hasn't heard it yet, it's gone by now. Tragic. So uh, you were the creative director? I was the video director. Video director for Mr. Beast. Mm -hmm. Is there anybody on YouTube that has more subscribers than Mr. Beast? Totally. Yeah. Really? Yeah. The metric, like, okay, so here's how YouTube works. YouTube wants <laughs> to know that if you can get somebody onto your video, how long can you keep them? Hey, great. They went, they know that you're going to give them something good. That thumbnail was way good in the side banner. So you click on it. Okay, great. How long are they going to watch? Awesome. Look at that. They're two minutes in complete retention. Wow. Okay. We're going to throw an ad in there. Did they watch the ad all the way through? What was the probability of them? Like if it's a game, did they click and download it? Wow, this channel has incredible click through. People like it. They're okay with not skipping after five seconds, or even if they are, like there's still enough retention. So, subscribers is not the only metric in okay. terms of like YouTube success. It's one. But then you've got something like T Series, which is basically a YouTube channel put on by the country of India. With, and they've got an upwards of one, two billion people. So they're, they're cranking out content like 20 videos a day. So you just can't really compete with that. So the subscriber count where the real money and magic is, is in uh, watch time, average view duration, and, you know, engagement with the video. Do they subscribe? What's the percentage of that? So in terms of really all of these much more important, valuable metrics, it's the biggest YouTube channel in the world by far. Wow. 97 million subs. They just hit it, I think, yesterday. 97 million. Crazy. That is bananas, dude. I got on at 25. It was it was an amazing experience. 25 years old or 25 million subscribers? 25 million subscribers. How, many, how much did it grow while you were there? So when I got there, it was 25. When I left, it was 72. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a hell of a journey. It's like uh, I tell people all the time, I'm like, it was, it was so cool because we were entertaining the world. Like there is really not a higher summit in terms of YouTube that you could climb to or ascend. Yeah. So to be able to get to the top of that, and see how that's run and look down over the vast valley of all things YouTube and creative. And you're just like, this is nuts. The perspective. So have you insane. visited the YouTube headquarters? No. As Mr. Beast? Probably. Yeah. That's cool. It, he's out in North Carolina. The whole operation is. Yeah. So it, it's on the other side of the country. I'm sure there's occasional incentive, but like for the most part, those guys are so busy. Everything is stacked. Like they just yeah. dropped this video where they literally gave away an entire chocolate factory. I don't know if you saw that one yet. I didn't see that one. <laughs> they built an actual chocolate river, just like in Willy Wonka. They had candy. Ev everything was edible. And then they had, like, these series of games where people would, like, eliminate themselves throughout the game and have to get on the boat and go through the chocolate river, the river of shame. Meanwhile, everything in the room is edible. They have marshmallow stools. The engineering behind that. I don't know if I'd like to eat stool. That's not what I said. He said stools. Mm. So that's multiple. It's plural. I think the uh, use of the word stool in the poop context would still just be stool. I said stools, plural. Yeah. Gotcha. No, you didn't because there's no <laughs> proof of that. <laughs> Play it back. Yo. So pl stool, plural is still stool. 
You can't have multiple stools. So you would have to uh, append it. Okay, so we're not going to get to the bottom of this one. Ah, zinger, zinger. Uh. So anyway, but the, so the the it's so curious to me to talk to you about the Mr. B stuff because in a way, and I know it's not the same, but it's like you're like the Jamie to Joe Rogan in a way. It's like you're a guy that was right next to one of the most famous dudes ever. Yeah, yeah. He's six foot five, so it was very interesting. Which kind of I thought I was tall, and he just. But no one knows that. That's the funny thing. Anyone that sees him, they're like, I had no idea you were that tall. The reason is just because we film down. Okay. You know? Because if you're looking at a YouTube video, you're you're peering in. Yeah. And instead, if somebody's towering over you, this is like basic like film psychology. If you're shooting low and somebody's just towering over you, there's kind of that imposing yeah. you invert that. And so it's like, hey, we invite you to peer in and like be a part of this, which is like you'll you'll see that all the time in film. Um yeah, so it shocks people how tall he is. But it was cool, man. Like the you spend 10 minutes with that guy and your entire perspective on the world changes because so. he's like 24 now. He's 24. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And he has never, he is so obsessive with YouTube success and uh, diversifying revenues and being the greatest YouTuber on the planet. And it's like, you go, man, you, qu you question everything. You're like, have I ever been obsessed with like one thing ever to that degree? And, uh, and then it challenges like your entire outlook. Cause you're like, look what he did. He started at 13, 12. And he was just making like Call of Duty commentary. Like it was like an old, it was very sweaty back in the day, those Xbox 360 days. There's that word again, sweaty. Sweaty. The kids <laughs> and their sweaty words. It was funny. We had, before we started, I had explained it. Yeah. Yeah. It's you like saying that, man, uh, Fortnite four got sweaty or whatever. And I'm like, Fortnite's way too sweaty now. You don't want to hop into it. You know, Rocket League's too sweaty. There's some casual games, you know. Okay. So just because I, there's other old people that watch and listen to this. So what is sweaty again? I would say it's the competitive scene around a game. Okay. So it's like it, it, nobody would take, nobody's going to get super wrapped up in Monopoly. But imagine if you're the Monopoly player and you're so diehard about Monopoly that as you're playing, you're so like, you're sweating. And so you can do that with like video games. And that seems stupid. So it's just a level there. of, so like if, if, if a game is sweaty, it's just that people are intense about it. Yeah. And also you're going to hop in and it's almost not even going to be fun. Dude, I'm going to beat the shit out of this word now. I'm going <laughs> to use it for everything. It's applicable. It has a I'm lot of application. I'm going to be using the sweaty word. You should. It's a good word. See what I did there? Yeah, it was good. You, yeah, you're going to be sweaty about the use of it. it. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I'm excited for you, man. That should be on the next. Uh, <laughs> now your comedy class. Today. We're going to talk about words. We're going to get sweaty today. Oh, I hate that teacher. He's so freaking sweaty. He's a sweat. <laughs> well, I don't want to make sure if that was the case, I was a college professor at least because I don't want to deal with that. With <laughs> okay, yeah, be a college professor in that in that context. Probably yeah, because I don't want to be like, it doesn't matter. Uh, Do you want the Urban Dictionary definition of yes. sweaty? Yes, please. All right. Sweaty is also used to describe a person who's way into something with intensity. Whatever the person is doing, they are balls deep into the game when they are sweaty as fuck. <laughs> First of all, dude, the idea that I'm just learning about this word is so awesome to me. <laughs> I feel like I've been living in this counterculture and I didn't even know about it. That's fair. Because you guys, dude... Producer Cash over here, and you guys were just like you were in the. I, I was talking war zone. It might as well have been like Snoop talk, like for shizzle maneezy. Like you're just sweaty is a derogatory term in the gaming world. You get hosed by somebody that's sweaty. See again, hosed. Yeah. There's another one. You got yeah. hosed. I know what that <laughs> word means, but that's not a normal everyday word that you use. It is meant to be derogatory because you play a game and you get smoked, and you're like, ah, that guy's just sweat. Smoked. Like he's way more into this than I am. Anyways, it makes you feel better because you just got annihilated, and he's 13. It's an ego know? protector. It's an Dude, ego protector for sure. I feel like this 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 scene of the show could be one where it's like, show me you're fucking old without showing me you're fucking old. <laughs> and now our new segment. Yeah. Words that freak Bryce out. 
words. Our new segment. <laughs> I, in my day, we did sweaty meant what was the residue of your exercise. It was highly competitive, right? He called that. Did you ever not get mad while you're playing Pong with somebody and they took it too serious? Pong. Oh, my God. Go fuck yourself, dude. Gosh. I'll have to change you to the same name as Dalia's producer and call you Juan Fire. <laughs> <laughs> or Ivan Getridov. That's just I, am, bars. I, I am Mexican, so you yeah. can call me whatever. All right. Love that. Um, he's Mexican. So it's, we're going to call you peso instead of cash. Dinero. All right. So anyway, so you're uh, so he's 6'5". That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, super cool guy. And he's he's 14 now. That's awesome. He's awesome. 24. Okay. He started when he was young. So he just got obsessive. So th- to work with somebody where we had budgets, but budgets were like, a soft suggestion because it's like every single video it's like you know what whatever it takes to make this the wildest craziest video you've ever seen in your life fine let's throw another few hundred thousand dollars that don't even bat an eye and that is because no one has ever approached youtube like this like you talk about a hollywood video yeah a movie there's a ton of capital there's a whole process to this no one's done this at scale on youtube because people are like Okay, so here's what it was i talked about this on the god mode podcast youtube had this trend for a while it was like holy crap I make videos in the money fountain go bird like this all this money's coming out this is great i'm gonna go buy a 15 million dollar house in california and i'm gonna buy this lambo and this and that and i'm my audience is gonna live vicariously through me they're gonna get fomo but they're gonna subscribe they're gonna love it i'm gonna travel da, 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 da. so that was kind of like the content bed of the top creators in youtube for like the longest time like the logans the jake pauls david dobricks like creators that loved flaunting how much freaking money they were making and then Jimmy took a different angle where he's like, you know, people are pretty, this is played out. What if I gave this to other people? And the idea that you can take an absurd amount of capital and enrich somebody else's life and people freaking love watching that. And that like, that turned in from one thing. It was like a brand deal. He gave a homeless guy $10,000. That was like one of his first videos that went viral. And, uh, you know, there's just, there's insights. And he talks about this a lot. There's insights that he's gathered all along the way. Case in point, the brand deal that he got for this, this homeless video. They wanted to give him five grand. And, uh, and he's like, give me 10. And I'm like, why, what is the difference? Like, what are you going to spend it on? And he's like, no, 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 really give me 10. It looks better in the title. You put 10 grand, five grand. There's not another decimal. Something about that looks good. And he was onto that in like 2017. So giving 10 grand to a homeless person, the brand deal went for it. They got all the return and then some, the video blew up. And since then those bizarre viewer insights have riddled and literally defined the entire machine that is Mr. Beast now. And there's so much more nuance to it now. That was like one thing. And now it's like, there's so much to it. Um, They just don't miss. And if they feel like a video is approaching 90% perfection, it's not worth it. They'd rather scrap it because it has to be. So what would make it only 90% perfection is an example. What was something (laughs) you guys scrapped that wasn't good enough? Um, We scrapped it. We scrapped a lot of videos. Um, we did one where we were going to use every VR uh, gaming system basically in the world. We, so we spent months sourcing it, reaching out to every company from like prototypes, whatever, got them all, com- the, send them in. And we're working on it for two, three months in this new studio, trying to get it, you know, very interesting and appealing. And then the background wasn't uh, right, you know, or here's another one. <laughs> One of the things that we figured out very early on is that people just, they have a cult following, they get obsessive. And so let's say you do a live stream, right? And the people are waiting. They only see your videos like every two weeks. Oh my gosh, that guy's on a live stream for 12 hours. He's doing a limited edition shirt. And if I buy it right now for $69 and 42 cents, 420, then uh, he'll sign it. Well, we did that in August of uh, 2020. 
2020, August of 2020. And they sold 72,000 shirts. Wow. With the promise that he was going to hand sign every single shirt. Did he? Yeah. But you do the math on that. That seems a lot of signatures. It took over a month. And so what happened is, is we go, okay, here's this absurd volume of shirts. It's like a six minute video on YouTube. It's, yeah. it was one of the gnarliest things we've ever had to do. Cause we're just in this warehouse day in, day out grinding. We would have to optimize systems. Like what's the most efficient way to get Jimmy's like signature, right? All his arms cramping. We had like the, the therapist of like a local hockey, like NHL hockey team come through and like work on him to keep him like in prime. Cause you do the math and you go, okay, here's my signature. That's one shirt, two. Three. And if you have to do 72,000, you have to hope that Dude. you can hit a thousand a day. So what, then you're all we're going to do for two and a half months is sign shirts. Like it was right. a tremendously, how long does it take to do a thousand signatures? Well, we, we started clocking it. Okay. We started getting an estimate so we could like do the numbers and assess how much like time we needed to finish this. And we were able to do 120 signatures in, I want to say 60 seconds, like at peak. Like, yeah, just boom. And we had a team. So it was one person pull, one person pull, one person pull. And then somebody else is feeding it off. You have to iron them. There was, if it's not ironed, you can't write it very well. So we had teams and tables of people ironing these shirts en masse and then lining them up, stacking them in the right way. Wow. The whole time we're optimizing. It was the weirdest thing ever, but it took like almost so a that month. video never made it? No, no, it's online. But the reason I brought it up is because the first time we tried doing it, we set some shelves up behind the desk. It's like, here we go. Here it is. Yeah. Well, he comes in and he's got an eye for everything. He knows his audience better than anybody. He goes, this isn't going to work. You have to think about the scale and spectacle, how stupid this is we're talking about. 72,000 shirts, hand signing. Do it again. We got to make it bigger. So we do. We go to all the local hardware stores and we pull as many like plastic shelves as we can to try and like make it look bigger so we can put the shirts on it. So we 10x the set in like a day and a half, which was a absolute feat. Like wow. I was so proud of the team. We stayed up all night doing it. And so now we're like, dang, this thing is like 10 times bigger. There's all these shirts. It's like hundreds of shelves. And we come in or he comes in to look at it. It's still not big enough. And let's try and fix this by you know, let's be filming tomorrow. So we have to now 10X the sets. Now we're a hundred times the scale uh, of what we originally set up. And so we had to literally leave the state, hit every single Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart. We sent teams with box trucks in every which direction just to try and get enough shelves to make this thing look big enough and stupid enough so that you could zoom out and go, there's 72,000 shirts in one shot and at scale truly understand how stupid and absurd it was. And it ended up being so big, we couldn't do it in a day, but we did it pretty dang quick. And then from there, it became optimizing the signing. So all that to say, the standard of content is so high and you think you've built something and you're like, actually, this is insane. I've never seen anything like this before, but Jimmy always knows better. Yeah. And so we finally made a cube that was legitimately like 30 feet wide, 30 feet back, 20 feet up and the entire thing. I mean, it was just absurd. It's yeah, that was a really gnarly video. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. So how big is that? Like how much space does 72,000 shirts take? It's on my Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we can, uh, I'll send it to you afterwards. You can pop it up on the screen. Uh, so this. Oh my word, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's. And every single one of those shelves have to be bought, assembled. They got to look cohesive. It's got to yeah. all be the same thing. I mean, it was. Insanity. Is that you in there? Yeah. It's proof, dude. Yeah, that one was gnarly. Wow. Every single video like that pushed us to the brink. And that was part of what made it such a fun challenge. Yeah. It was also why I was okay, like, after a couple of years, just, like, ready to, like, take a breath, focus on something new. I didn't find anything 
at least that I was aware of that would be remotely as fulfilling though, right? Because we were entertaining the world. Yeah. And how do you want up that really? So to meet William and eventually have our mission statement be we're upgrading humanity, that has been somehow the thing that has managed to even be more fulfilling. I didn't yeah. think I'd find it, and we did. That's really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other part. We talked about it last time, but you are the director of marketing? Uh, the director of media. Director of media for Upgrade. Yeah. And Upgrade is a mental programming company. Sure is. It's worked quite a bit for you. Yeah, it's been nice. Yeah. I've, I've, I've uh, sung its praises a lot. I'm actually excited to uh, to head back in August for some more stuff. But Prack and <clears throat> Master Prack, yep, in August. Yeah, dude, it's going to be sweet. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was started by a guy named William Lamb. I'm going to try to get William on the show here. That would be awesome. Because he's, uh, he's, he's just a little Asian Yoda, man. He's such a he's Jedi. A genius, dude. <laughs> and the idea that the, the way that your mind works, the pairing of your conscious and subconscious mind to basically create the experiences and the results that you have. And it's, it's you know, there's been jokes that we live in the matrix. We actually kind of do in a way. I mean, it's not that we're plugged into as batteries for the machines or anything, but not it's... Not that we know if. I can't see far enough out. <laughs> but there is, a, there is a power there. Like, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine the other day about how I, I really desire to know exactly how it all works, you know? And some of the things that have come out of the training with Upgrade, they're mind-boggling. If life is actually a, uh, a video game or a simulation in some degree, that means it's hackable. And that also means that you can do whatever you want. It's sandbox mode, the whole thing. Meaning like it's not just this linear thing that you have to play out. You can pause and look around, construct, create, build, do whatever you want. You're in a sandbox of infinite opportunity. And I think we kind of get in this linear thing because if you do that, you're a contributor to society. Like that's super neat. Also, you can do whatever you want. And I think that's the big hack. And I think a lot of people are waking up to that. It was like COVID hit. Everybody's disenfranchised. Oh, we can work from home. And now they're like, you know what? Not only am I not having to go into the office, but I'm not finding even fulfillment from what I'm doing there. But what can I do? Right. And it, there's, I just see it everywhere lately. Like everyone just seems so, I don't know, resigned. They want something else. And uh, yeah. it just comes down to them finding some kind of unique contribution to the world. So for you, it's comedy, it's podcasting, it's helping other people get like a really solid tone and direction with the podcast. So it's not a giant waste of their time. And right yeah. out of the gate, it's correct. You know, for me, it was, let me help somebody capture and tell a story because my degree is in advertising, but I didn't know what to do with that. Then a camera came into my life in 2017, my first camera I pick up 2017. From there, I'm helping everybody tell their stories and holding attention. And so it's like, I'm also not married to exclusively that. It's starting to scale and turn into other things. Like William and I have a media firm together. We've had some awesome stuff happen. Crazy clients come together. And so now we're going to scale and manage, uh, you know, our media team. So I'm not always going to be the one holding a camera. Anyways, all that to say, everybody has this opportunity to do something super fulfilling with their lives, but like no one can make that choice for them, you know? Right. No one can make that choice for them. Ain't that the truth? Well, there's, it's a combination of things. It's so the, the, the things that I've learned at upgrade have been, I'll, I'll call them inner world principles. There's things between my ears, ways of mm. thinking, um, allowing belief, allowing, uh, abundance, allowing growth, allowing riches and blessing and all that. And, and rooting out a lot of the toxic shame that had been there mm. and the, uh, you know, the, 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 the unworthiness, the feelings of that that were attached. I, I was reading, I am reading this book right now that's called No More Mr. Nice Guy 
by a guy named Dr. Uh, Robert Glover, I think, or Richard Glover. Hmm. And it's really been an alarming thing to read that after having learned what I've learned through Upgrade and the power of the conscious and the subconscious mind. Why? Because part of the things that I've learned in Upgrade have to do with, like, foundationally changing your identity. Like, in order for you to have a new set of rules, a new, or excuse me, a new set of results, you have to see yourself as somebody that can experience that and that's worthy of experiencing that. There's a lot of self-love and self-worthiness talk in Upgrade of how you have to be able to, like, accept the fact that you're fucking awesome. And accept the fact that when you have the nice thing or experience the the big money or the real that it's of course you're supposed to it's it's all a part of the plan. There's no breaks to the amount of abundance that you can experience. But in order to actually accept those things into your life, you have to address on a core level a bunch of shit that was put there by people that you don't really even know, yeah. like parents and teachers and things that that. You know, put you into trances where it minimized your own. I mean, in, 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 anyway, so in this book, Absolutely. it talks about, you know, that there's this epidemic of nice guys, that guys that are, they, they crave the approval of women and they become really nice. They don't want to rock the boat. They, they don't want to be uh, abrasive. They're just like, you know, sweet guys or whatever. But they're inherently, and this is what kind of hit me because I realized that. You know, my upbringing and how I was raised and different, you know, issues that I've had with my parents and things like I, I've become in my life up to a certain point, that nice guy where I felt that I had to show up a certain way, be a perfectionist, be somebody that, um, you know, was achieving because of course I would, that's who I am because the reality of who I am underneath it, you know, I, at a core level felt unlovable for a lot of time. Like I was, I was, I was, there was a lot of shame associated with who I am because of my parents and, and how I was raised. And, you know, a child is to be seen, not heard. And, and this whole sort of thing that like, if I was to actually be myself and express myself, it would be rejected. Polarizing. So, yeah. and, and this is an epidemic with men all over the place Dude. where they do this. And so, you know, I, I even noticed with some of the upgrade stuff, I tapped into some of those, you know, cool experiences and got some really, really cool things to show up in my life. And then dealing with that reality has been poking up against some of that core programming that was dog shit huh. and being like, huh, like, like he feel like I'm hitting a ceiling. Sure. Like that I'm, I'm at some place. And so it's like, um, I don't know. The, the point I, I, I bring all that up is because, in order to your identity governs your values, your values govern your beliefs, your beliefs then govern your actions, your behaviors, right? So if you want to change anything significantly about your life and experience a new version of life, you have to fundamentally change your identity. You have, and, and what I mean by that is it's not that you become a girl or that you like start call me Bob now. Like it's none of that. <laughs> it's that you have to see yourselves like, Oh, of course I would drive a Ferrari. Yeah. It's your, I am the guy shift. that does that. Of course, I would have a house on the hill that's got all the cool. Of course, my, you know, experiences would be this. No, no, no. That's for somebody else. It's, it, and, and again, this is where a lot of people on the outside of it don't understand. It. It's not a, it's not a pride thing or an enmity thing. There's, I, I am in no way saying that I get this because I'm better than you. It's I get this because I'm better than the old me. Put that on a t-shirt. And. I don't know, man. Like, that's what I want for it's, – it's one of the reasons why, like, I love associating with a lot of the upgrade guys, like you and William and John and and Chris. Like, everybody – they're all in their own journey understanding that, and they all have their own different level of results towards that sort of new, you know, excellence as a standard. But 
just being around people that believe and that support your growth and don't get threatened by it is huge. You know, with that too, that change, if you look at like the, the process, it's not a light switch. You don't hit a moment and then boom, you're at that identity and, yeah. and you don't have to do any more work or whatever. It constitutes even to get to that point, an uncomfortable amount of work. You have right. to look in and find every single opportunity to take like 100% responsibility. Why did my fiance cheat on me? Like I was a victim in that situation. My identity was stolen. My car, this and that, my motorcycle, like I didn't ask for any I of that. I actually right? want to talk about this because eh. I, cause I've had, I don't know if I, I buy into a lot of that yet. Well, where is it? Because at some point. I think it's different. Hold on. Okay. Because when you, so, so consider this. So like in, in self-development in general, right? There's this, this mantra that I create my life. That everything about my life on some level I've created. And this isn't an upgrade thing too, that our conscious and our subconscious minds are paired together. They're the captain and the crew and everything about our life we've created, right? Okay. Well, okay. But it so easily pairs with toxic shame when you don't have the results that you want. Mm. The, the idea that I created my life and oh, this part of my life fucking sucks. Of course it sucks because I'm not worth it. That it's, 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 a, it's a detriment to the whole process. So it's like, I look at that and go, look, I had this bad experience happen to me when I was young, whatever it is. And okay. So instead of being encouraged to own it, that I created it for some reason, I'm removing the temptation to create a secondary gain, acting like that there's something that I got out of it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And instead of having to do any of that stuff, I just put it down. Like, I don't need to know. I, I don't feel I created that. I get to deal with it, but I don't, I'm going to put it down. I don't want to actually give any more thought to that. I don't need to own that my parents were this or my mom was that. Or I don't have to own it. All I have to do is put it down. And to me, it just feels like more, it feels more ecological in the belief structure by thinking about it that way for a couple of reasons. And here's one. So, Example, if if I create 100% of my life and everything's on me and that's a reality, why in the world would I want to be a podcast consultant? Who I can't help people. If, if your creation is 100% on you, figure it out. So the idea that I could help you seems counterintuitive to that bigger narrative. I don't think it dismisses the somebody else contributing or chiming in, helping. I think the base under Hold on. You're oh. right, which is the point. The point is it doesn't because... We need other people, and all of our creations aren't necessarily 100% on us. That there's groupthink, there's group consciousness, there's things that come about that you might have had one sliver of a thought input into it, and then actually you're, you're experiencing it. And like I said, I'm, I'm tired of the weight of having to justify that I created this shitty part for myself. I'm just going to put that down and go create other stuff that I like. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. I think it's the difference between looking at it, honoring it, and then moving, putting it down, or chewing on it and letting it go into you and perpetuate throughout you. My point with it is I am not responsible for a lot of the nonsense that has happened to me thus far. I agree with and you. And I didn't ask for it. I didn't deserve it. I agree with you. But also it happened to me. And in some way I was involved in it, whether or not I asked for it or not. Well, you always have a choice of how you respond. Right. And I think that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's not that you are to blame. It's that if you, the sooner you can identify this crappy thing happened and you identify I may have lived or made some choices or whatever it may be 
And so the sooner I can just own that, not because I can control this anymore, but just because there's some kind of lesson to learn. And the sooner I learn it, the sooner I get rid of that crap. And so the tendency, I think, is what you're inferring is that we tend to beat ourselves up over it if we go down that path where it's like, yeah. oh, that happened. And so I have to take ownership of that. And you're so dumb and da 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 da. Instead, like, I think the way that I've had to massively shift gears because I used to think that and beat myself up and, you know, crap that's not helpful for you. Instead, I go, well, this is still here in that it bounces around in my head. So there is something from it that maybe I haven't learned. I don't blame myself for that. I don't internalize it. I'm okay with it. And it also took a lot of internal work to even get to that point to say that instead of like, oh, it's my fault. But I also am going to learn whatever lesson I need to so that it can go away. Yeah. And I think that the difference is in how we approach it. If it's, are we blaming ourselves or are we looking for a lesson so that it can be a lesson and then a blessing? But are we supposed to be looking for a lesson? Because isn't that trying to make a secondary gain out of everything and that's a part of the problem? Well, that assumes that you're going to want to look and attract more problems and more difficulties. Okay. And it, like, I'm, you know, I'm not doing that. I just, these things happened and they once I don't ask that knowing the answer. I no, ask I know. that This quick. is, yeah, no, it's the, the discussion about it. And that's where like, A, what do I know? You know, like you have way more life experience than I do. You got a cool ass Ferrari. Like uh, these are just my takes on the internal work that I've had to do. So taking 100% of every weird, crappy thing is not me blaming myself. It's me going, because it happened, I bet you there's some way I can benefit from that. Okay. And that's worked for me so far. Sure. And I haven't identified all the different things. I've done a ton of work, even just recently. A lot of my upbringing, we talked about like in the 90s, it was just a different time, man, especially in the church. Yeah. Like it was... You go to these Sunday school classes and a lot of the rhetoric there is like pretty toxic. Like they talk about, oh, like, you know, don't sleep with somebody before you get married. And it's kind of the equivalent to like uh, getting chewed gum from somebody instead of a nice stick of gum. Like these, that was a legitimate, <laughs> a legitimate analogy that I cannot tell you how many specifically The crazy women. part is you had to have seen a vagina to know that's a, that's a good example. Well, you know, it's valid. <laughs> but the, the illustration was shared in mass, I cannot tell yeah. you how many women yeah. I knew heard that in in their Sunday school, like when they're in the, like That's critical such a formative shame teen years, base, dude. But it's like in the '90s, it was also okay to be like racist or to be uh, openly uh, rude about people's uh, sexual preferences because at the time the conversation hadn't got big enough. People didn't get knocked on their heads. Where it's like now, I have so many friends that are in the LGBT community. I support them. I love them. I don't agree with every single public facing angry narrative, but this and that. But generally, like I hold a ton of love well, and support. People right? they deserve love. To like friggin' A, that's the underpinning of it, right? But yeah. also, you know, you have to realize that times were different. So growing up in a very extreme pneumatic uh, religious environment, you know, it, it shapes the way that you look. And you can get into that mindset of you're going to find and blame and beat yourself up because you sinned, you're a bad person, da 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 da. So to break out of that mold, especially for us having like very comparable, uh, I would say a lens to, to have only that to look at life through. Like we start with the one lens, somebody gives it to us, our parents, whatever. Yeah. And then that becomes the governing principle of life. Everything we know about life, I only have this lens to look at. And most people find ways throughout their life to compound the way that they look at life through that lens. Instead of being comfortable going, this helped me figure me out and get this far. There might be another way of looking at some stuff though. So like, you know, my, my faith journey, at least specifically, cause we're in Utah and that's, mm -hmm. you know, it's a very interesting cultural environment here, right. you know, and I have so much love and respect for the person that being raised in an extreme way in a church has made me, I'm so grateful for it cause I serve people and I find love and I find appreciation for it. I also have harbored a lot of shame. And you talked about that earlier where you've had to reconcile letting go of the shackles of shame 
which is such a weird thing to do. If well, you, and it's not like I, I find I don't like the example of shackles because it's like once it's gone, it's gone. Like it's a mm. tricky little bitch that finds its way back there sure. when you're not expecting it to. You think you've handled it, and all of a sudden, a different thought will pop up, or or you'll 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 do something that you didn't think you would do, and then it unearths all of this extra right. stuff that you thought was put to bed. You know. Mm. Yeah, I guess in the way that it's not, and you can resolve some of that. And, you know, one of the things I had to do was when I first went through upgrade, I had this bizarre belief. And I feel like my aunt said some weird shit to me when I was like seven or eight, something about, you know, you shouldn't make more money than your dad, you know? And why? I'm seven. I'm so impressionable (laughs) right now. Like it was just this weird passing moment at like a family dinner. I couldn't give you the context, but I forgot that that happened. And so there I am knocking doors at like 22 years old selling pest control and I'm sitting on my bed and I've got a projected on my little iPad and they built this app and they go, you made this many sales. Here's your projected amount. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like halfway through the, the season here. If I keep this going, I'm going to hit this insane threshold. And then I started sabotaging myself. I'm looking at this sum and I couldn't tell you why I didn't want to get out of the car anymore. I didn't want to knock doors. I didn't want to talk to people anymore because I'd already made some good money. And at 22 years old, I was like, I was hyped on making like 30, 40 grand. And then I could not possibly understand why I suddenly couldn't do it anymore. And then later to go through upgrade and realize that I had some limiting belief about not making more money than my father. Yeah. And then to get rid of that. And that's the thing is like most people don't have the, either like the resources or the means, or they don't understand that they can be free uh, of these shackles. They don't even see that they're there, you know? And of course they can come back on, you can reach back down and put, they're not gone yet, but most people need more access. So these conversations are important because I think where else are you going to look? You know, it's like, you're not going to get it from a movie. You're not going to get it from television or Netflix. You have to find people that have done like an uncomfortable amount of work, uh, put up a lot of capital, right? right? To go to a training. Tony Robbins is like one of the ones that are really well known where it's rooted in like change this rah, rah. But what's different, I think for us, like when we went through upgrade is a, it was way faster, uh, and less like prolonged and all this rah, rah stuff. There's like a legitimate takeaway. So all that to say. Every single person has the ability to let go of the pain and the weird programs and self-limiting beliefs that have pretty much governed like everyone's lives at some point or another. And maybe they're still there. Um, You can get rid of it though. And you can be free of it. And that's been the weirdest realization. Yeah. But super comforting. It is good. I guess at the end of the day, it's a, it's, it's a lot of semantics of how the, the raw truth, the undebatable truth, in my opinion, is that we all have a say in the future of our lives. Mm. When you chunk it all the way down, you have a say. It's frustrating. You are not a victim to any sort of thing that you would not want to do. Does that make sense? Did I say it right? You can do whatever you want. <laughs> Wherever you came from and reconciling how that applies to the creative onus that we have to further our lives to a better place, that's just, I think, fodder. Mm. It's a conversation. Sometimes we don't even need to sweat. That's why I just chose to put it down. I'm like, I don't need it anymore. I respect that. I've seen it a lot. Not to beat the dead horse too much, but one of the things I've seen a lot lately uh, is that people are, um, there's something really comforting about blaming some shit that seems outside of your control. So the pandemic, right? Oh, I was going to do this thing, but then the pandemic hit. So now I just had to sit on my couch for two years. Yeah, that's bullshit. But then if you can blame that, that's that feels like a pretty valid reason. Like, yeah. look at a big old thing. Everybody's sick. We're wearing masks. Everyone's freaking out. Battles of the vaccines. Like, you don't know uh, what's going on. But it's also very nice to just, like, blame that. Because then you don't have well, to do anything. And it's a very easy way. It's like, yeah. 
It's like the people that, you know, fake sick so they can just have a day off from work. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are you doing that? You're not addressing the root cause. You're lying you to yourself. Like You're lying to, like, your boss. Just own it. Yo, dude, I'm, I'm just not feeling it today, man. I need, to, I need to take a me day. Okay. But then that gets abused and you have, you know, like we hear these stories of, like, the the Twitter employees, like they don't ever work and like they just, they have trigger days. <laughs> like, I was triggered. I need a day off. Like, Man. Ugh. Anyway, dude, no. um, we do, uh, we do current events around here and oh, we, yeah? we talk about them. So, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. B, what you got for our current events? Cash money, the big peso. Indeed. Speaking of, okay, we'll just start with, if we're talking about money. So, mm. A VHS copy of Back to the Future just got auctioned off for $75,000 in Dallas. <laughs> really? Yep. Did it Why? come with an NFT? I don't know if the people in Dallas who are auctioning off for a VHS know what an NFT is. Valid. So. That would be a great utility for an NFT, though. Right? You know, like an old school VHS. It's kind of fire. Just got this digital asset. So do we know anything else about, like, why and how and who the nerd was that bought it? The first one ever minted? And how virgin he was? <laughs> uh, no, but... So it is Sorry, the trilogy. Is. So it is. It's all three movies. Okay. So it's the three VHS. Oh, that makes total pack. sense. Now, of course, they uh, spend yeah. seventy five grand on that original packaging, probably original packaging, and it got a PSA grade of eighty plus. So I didn't, or a VGA grade. So the same people who do cards apparently rated yep. the box and different things and okay. packaged it up. So it's not even like you can watch it. It's just a ta da. Here's a little dude. I think that was one of the the very first movie I ever saw as a kid in the theater was Star Wars. Yes. And I think that might have been like in the top five movies I've ever like seen. Like list was Back to the Future one. Really? Yeah. I remember it. I remember being in the theater seeing it as a kid because I was golden time. I was ten basically. You know the camera on your iPhone is a better camera than what they film Star Wars with. Probably. No, literally. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of technology, sensor tech, the way the way that film looks, it's beautiful. It captures color. Looks awesome. But in terms of tech sophistication, right there, you could film Star Wars. Now that was why practical sets were so important and lighting right. and all this other stuff. And like, right. so you can't, you gotta have the budget and the know-how for that, the Hollywood magic, but the camera, the way they captured it, that smokes it now. Okay. Kind of crazy to think about. Okay. Well, what does that have to do with back to the future though? Uh, probably the same thing. Same thing, same camera. I don't do know. you think that the back to the future cameras are as bad as are better? The iPhone cameras better? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just that era of cameras, anything that they were filming on. Dude, what I want out of those movies is that fucking book, the, the almanac. So I've seen that movie maybe once. I've only seen it like once. He's not sweaty on Back to the Future? He's only seen it once. For God, I'm surrounded by children. (laughs) Some of us were born in the 90s. Yeah, 91. Yeah. Don't give me that look. These these guys can fuck off. Anybody that's seen (laughs) that movie knows you want that damn sports almanac, man. Oh, no, I do think about that. I think about betting all the time. Like, man... If I had known the Patriots were going to come back from 28 to 3, I would have put everything on it. Well, who wouldn't? You. I don't that, know. No, I would have. <laughs> like, I would have put, I would have been betting everything, dude. With, yeah, the sports almanac. <laughs> I would want to, I would want to know more of like, because right now we're in a really crazy time in our culture and in our history uh-huh. where there's a lot of like gaslighting going on by our media and by. That just sounds like something pharma. that you're doing. Projecting. Dude, that ah. was so good, dude. <laughs> that was so good. God help uh, your girlfriend. All right. <laughs> you're gonna pull that one out at the right uh, time. I don't know if this is really don't, something. I just don't know why you're acting like that. Yeah, this is I didn't do anything like this. This is um anyway, 
and and it, the pendulum always sways back, dude. There, there's going to be investigations into a lot of the stuff with the little j- 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 jab, jab, jab. And so <laughs> there's going to be election integrity stuff that's going to come out. There's going to there's all this. And I'm like, man, I would love to like have that almanac. Now, like, fucking I knew it. On page, I was going to call that. Page 87, bro. I would say if you're not cheating, you're not trying. That's what people say at like a certain level of like football or elections to think that every single election cycle there hasn't existed some degree of fraud is bananas. That is obviously happening. Well, here's the thing is talk about gaslighting. We know there is. Yeah. We absolutely know this. You hear both stories that are openly saying like I voted twice. I went once in this county. That's complete election fraud. Yep. And then the other outside narrative that was like, well, it doesn't matter enough. There's not enough to actually sway an election. It's like, well, are you sure? Because you count. Yeah. You know. Anyway, here's the funny thing with that. And this is where it might be a little, I might get some angry DMS in my growth through upgrade and understanding that your neurology has tiers, right? Value levels. We talk about that at length, right? Right. So if like a value level two is like a caveman value level one's like a baby, baby's not doing anything for anybody. It just takes, takes, takes value level two. It's like, Hey, I'm a caveman. Saber tooth. Thank you for saying out loud what, how I feel about babies. Well, there is nothing. They poop, they, they just yell. Take They're cute sometimes. Fucking they look leeches, like potatoos man. for a while. There's though. not a cute baby out there. I'm sorry. We mm-hmm. need to bust this narrative wide open. Yeah. It's it, Gollum is what it is. Like every baby looks like it. If there is a, if the baby's pretty, God help that adult. Like <laughs> uh, look at what Macaulay Culkin turned into. Cute as fuck kid. Yeah. Now he looks like, you know. Uh, that's math. Like he's cosplaying okay. something from Harry Potter, dude. Like it's. <laughs> Uh, well, that aside, babies, babies do just be taken. That's just how they are. Anyway, that's a level, I, I that's a level one though, right? And we one, know right? that take, level take, two take. being a caveman, there's saber two tigers out here. I got to get to a cave. And if it's just me, this is rough. I need a tribe. And so now you've got all the cavemen packed into the caves and life is a windstorm and we're just leaves in it. But like, at least we've got our tribe. We've got each other at the end are of the day. Poet cavemen? Yeah, literally. You know, <laughs> it's like that fast and few at the end of the day, oh, we got family. Oh. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Quarter mile at a time. I'll race you, by the way. Yeah. Where are you against the Tesla? Okay. Quarter mile straight. Yeah. Pink I, slips. I, li- I like. Uh, I like. I like humbling Tesla owners. You can't, bro. We've already talked about Dude, this. Dude, the fucking Tesla <laughs> three people, like they think that they can rally me. And they, just, <laughs> they just don't. Yeah, you'll smoke the hell out of those. Yeah, that's satisfying. It's so sad for them too, because then they have to go home to their townhome where they park their Tesla three. <laughs> I'm like the community charger. Oh man, the leaf is oh, on man. it. Oh <laughs> man, there's not a spot left. I gotta wait out. Uh, yeah. Uh, right, what, so what value level two. Hold, hold on, on, hold yeah, on. Yeah, hold on. Okay. This is important. Okay. Value level two, right? Uh, it's the, the, you find comfort in community, but also like you can't do anything about it. Well, the value level three says, I see a lot of cavemen in caves. I bet they all need clubs. I don't care about any of them, but I'll sell them clubs. Now I'm the lead club salesman. And so I'll do whatever it takes to stay ahead. I hear that other guy's making clubs. I'll beat him to death. I'm the club salesman in these Finger. parts, you know? Yeah. And then the value, so, and people theorize this is where people are going to get mad. Donald Trump might be like the most value level three ever. Are you familiar with uh, Spiral Dynamics? No. He's a solid, solid red, which is basically what value level three is. Really? Yeah. It's very, very earthly, very success driven because of money and the spoils. Mm. There's not a lot of meaning to it. It's just because there's an opportunity. Back. Yep. It's very self-serving. Yeah, that's a solid red. Well, value level four is the person that saw the cavemen and all the salesmen of the clubs and said... I bet you I could tax them. I bet you I could create a system where I say, if you're going to do that, you have to guarantee the clubs. Da, 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 da. You create the yeah. rules, a governance system that rallies everybody under an umbrella, but that umbrella Ew. is defined by like one person. The reason I say all of this to, to 
bring us to a point is a system is something that someone else has implemented over you. It is an agreed threshold of all of us being like, yeah, sure, fine. So that's laws in government. Right. It could be a corporation and like company culture. It can also be religion. And that's been yeah. an interesting experience for me. It's also like nationalism. So this is where it gets people get mad. Like I was raised in the military. My dad was army MP, did a ton of I don't really understand cool why it's a bad thing to think America's awesome. It's not a bad thing at all. But it's also the idea of inherent superiority on the basis of us being Americans, which is awesome. I love being American. This is what I'm saying. I was but born hold in Germany. On okay, so why is America the only pro place where people have a fucking problem with that? I like don't. you watch like Germans rally for like their soccer teams and it's like, oh, look at the Germans. They love their country, Germany, Germany. Totally. Same thing. Like and everybody accepts, but all of a sudden if an American does that, it's like we're a bunch of white supremacists and 100%. It's nationalism. And I think that that's when it's taken too far. Like for sure. It's the, the vilification of it. You yeah. should have national pride. And that was actually something I couldn't let go for the longest time. It's the reason that William called me and brought me on as a partner, not because I was ready to reject my American patriotic roots. I love them. I cherish them. I hold them deeply. I voted for Trump. But also, like, I ha if I'm so married to it, I might have applied blinders to my life that I didn't even realize. So one yeah. of the things I was talking with Will, I was like, hey, in order to transcend out of value level four, do I need to let go of my nationalism in the sense that I believe I'm superior on just this one basis point? And he called me up right then and there. I texted him that phone call. And he's like, where did you, where did you get that idea? And for those at home, like, William is from Hong Kong. And so he both has a deep love for where he's from and he also loves here in the States. So he's not like he has perspective and maybe that's what it comes down to. It's like, if you've never traveled, you never left the world or the country you're in, you're not going to understand how the rest of the world operates where it's like, you right. should have German nationalistic pride. That's awesome. Uh, now post forties <laughs> and, <laughs> and you should love being you should, Austrian. You should want to be surrounded by only blonde hair, blue eyed people all oh, the time. Oh boy. And that's not what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> you should love that. You have these roots in India and you should love and honor yeah. that. You know, that's cool. But if you also have the perspective of living in multiple places, then you go, you know, a lot of that's just like a framework. And that's okay. It doesn't rob you of anything. It doesn't take food out of the people's mouth. You can also kind of get blinded to it. So people get in these camps. I literally saw on Facebook, it made me cringe so hard. People would post like a photo of Trump on the beach, walking side by side with Jesus. That's what's up. And, I was, <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking that's about? That's what's up. I trust his, his motives to the extent that he will bring uh, money and capitalistic intentions. I, didn't know I he can wanted trust to, He's on a romantic walk on the beach with Jesus. I didn't know he wanted to bang Jesus. I, well, I don't know That's if that the was only what way Trump would be walking on he's the like, beach with He's like, we're side Jesus. by side. He's so guided. No, he's, he's like, not. He's a dude. I want to see under your robe, Jesus. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, Bryce. <laughs> No, that's my the, point is no, the point is that's is that I, I get it. Yeah, there's there's such people that are they're so bought in. It's they're extreme. blinded to it. Oh, and I get how it happened. And I voted for him. But like Truth Social, he re-truthed. You hear about that? I only heard about it through Joe Rogan's pod. Oh. He's like some guy just posted something on, on Truth Social, his new like Twitter yeah. equivalent. And when you retweet something, you retruth it. Right. Which has a ton of built in inference, which is kind of weird if you think about it. Some guy uh, Truth posts civil war. That's it. And Donald Trump retruthed it. And the actual integrated, there's a lot of weird meaning you could pull out of that. Right. And they also, apparently, they're planning on banning anybody that talks about January 6th, banning him off of Truth Social, which is bananas to think about. Because, like, that's the whole... That's Why the whole is it rhetoric. any less bananas than what they're doing on Twitter? Well, the irony is, is that they were kicking again. They were complaining about it. Twitter's a hot mess, but that's no secret. And so for this to be, I would say, the, the platform of truth and lack, no censorship and da-da-da-da, look, it's easier to just admit that you have 
an inherent bias. So like to Dude, label that no, as nobody, truth nobody is nobody weird. Nobody, nobody knows or nobody is, a, a, nobody is acting like they don't have a bias. Well, but the narrative around it is meant to be like, here's where truth is, I got you. you know, and where Twitter goes, this is the marketplace of ideas. And so it I think be, it's, hold on though. I yeah. think it's more nefarious how Twitter does it than what Truth Social does. Absolutely. Because at least with Truth Social, you're like, come on, read truth. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Where with Twitter, it's all subtle. Yeah, but you got boomers that buy into that. They're like, that was re-truth. And I, I printed a photo of Donald Trump and Jesus. It's over on mantle. One of my favorite comedians is a guy named Seth, or excuse me, Shane Gillis. And he has this joke about his dad being a Fox News dad. <laughs> and then he's like, but it's way better than a Fox News mom. Because the, the, she smokes in the house, you know? <laughs> and just the idea of like this fucking old blonde chick that's... Oh, oh shut shut up. Hannity's on. Hannity's on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh uh, i look I, I being able to let go of where your bias was uh is a huge part in growing even though i i voted for trump i also don't think he's the greatest guy on the planet way better than biden terrible guy but also like at some point you have to let go of your bias yeah. because in your confirmation bias is that lens i had the grossest lens of my own confirmation bias operating you know in front of my face for the longest time and I think I've got a really good hold on where those are now. And I've gotten good at peeling them away. Time's going to go on and I'm going to find out at 30. I didn't have it all figured out, but I'm at least looking for it now. So I don't know, yeah. like to be able to transcend extreme nationalism, which is not a bad thing. It's the extreme side of it where you are going to confirmation bias the hell out of anything that ever comes across your threshold or being okay, not like living and dying by a corporation's court culture. I worked in a pest control company for four years and we basically had like testimony meetings where we would sit down, rah, rah, talk about why this is the one pure, super su superior only pest true control company. It was so weird in hindsight. And I was so bought in, I drank the Kool-Aid. I worshiped the executive board. I thought they were so cool. This is my future. And then they're like, if you leave, it's a stormy world out there. You're not gonna survive. This is the only place you're gonna thrive. I leave and I build my own business and I crushed it. But I was terrified for years of leaving. Mm. And so you, I transcended this corporate culture. Now, I think the reason I really wanted to say all this is because spirituality has been such an important part of my life lately. And you and I were talking a bit, and it's like, it's really hard to reconcile when you were raised in an extreme way. And you did a good job. You served a mission. You helped people. You really tried to internalize the principles. You didn't half-ass it. Right. I have learned, and I shared this with somebody two days ago, that the tendency is when you feel like you've left a, a, an avenue of your faith, you want to kind of burn it all wholesale. Maybe you're mad. Maybe you feel like you got lied to. Maybe you wasted a bunch of time. But you know what? Those are your roots. That they may be ugly. They may be covered in mud. You may not like the way they look now, but your roots are where you started as a seed. And your roots to cut those out does not serve the tree. Your tree could also grow just as tall proportionately as as deep as those roots are. But that's not really a very good tree. And if you get rid of your roots, you don't honor it and respect it, you're screwing yourself over even more. So right. honor the roots, be okay with it, but let that tree grow. Right. You can become a sequoia, your branches, your leaves, things that are nothing to do with your roots. They strengthen you, you can leverage them. But I just, I see it a lot where people, specifically in Utah, when they leave a, a, cult, a religious framework, they want to burn everything wholesale and be mad. And it's like, you know what? That's a core component of who you were. Just honor it and keep and moving. just evolve. You don't have to. Like, yeah, evolve. Yeah. Let that tree grow. Don't freaking throw all the. Anyways, it's like I haven't been to church in over a decade, but what? and I don't have I any sort go. of I don't have any sort of guile against people that are in that. And and there's a part of a lot of that belief that I still 
appreciate mm. and found to be valuable for parts of my life and others I'm like I'm over it and that feels good to me so not that I'm better than anybody else of course but like I I've always questioned that too like the point of like why do you got to just go scorched earth on this thing like if it is what you say it is it will do it itself mm. figure it out I think that is a defining characteristic of who you are now because look what you got yeah being able to have that really I would say very advanced very introspective hard to swallow paradigm has allowed you to be like who you freaking are now right and so yeah. that will only continue so thank you yeah do you think just question with the people like you're just talking about in utah who leave the church and have more of that like they want to go scorched earth on it isn't that just transferring the same amount of commitment they had to believing in it to not believing in yeah. it? So they're not really exactly. changing their mindset. Totally they're just a binary. They're shift. just taking. Yep. They're yeah. still putting this, urgency and energy towards it, and it's just in the opposite direction. Yeah, that yeah. tree doesn't grow. It stays the same length as the roots. Yep. So to ten x your root length, it becomes something beautiful. <laughs> you know, stop it. I know exactly what you're doing. I'd like to ten x my root length. Oh gosh. <laughs> All right, what you got, buddy? So there's a company in North Carolina that is looking for five to six homeowners for money, of course, to test a experimental pest control method. And they want to put release a hundred American cockroaches into their house for 30 days for a whopping $2,000. So you get paid two grand to live with a hundred cockroaches for how long for 30 days, 30 days with an experimental extermination product that this company is testing and if it doesn't work, good news is they'll go back to traditional methods to get rid of the 100 cockroaches you've been living with for 30 days, which have probably reproduced at that point. Are the cockroaches the, the solution hold or on. are cockroaches the testing? Like, They're the testing. Okay, okay so, so hold on. I, I can see through this already. Dude, this isn't about cockroaches or pest control. This is a PSYOP type of thing where they're trying to see like what the actual people would... <laughs> Who would who would be willing to be? do this? Uh, like who do devalues their their experience so much that two grand <laughs> extra would be would let you be willing to live in a fucking shithole for for a month? Dude, wow. that's what it is. Here's the thing: you have to go through an interview process and an application process to get it. There it is, dude. They're trying to find the freaking nut jobs. Like you know what? I could do it. You know they bring it have... on, man. Two thousand dollars. You know how much Keystone Light I can <laughs> buy with two thousand dollars. Fridge gonna be stocked, Bubba. Oh, I can get that Confederate flag <laughs> funnel that I've been looking Drop for for my, my gas tank. Oh, it's uh, continental United States wide, so anybody can apply nationwide. Oh, you can do it. Your new house, two grand. Oh, that's the thing is, I don't. I would put on the experiment. I wouldn't be the one doing it. Uh, you're just doing it. See if you can get other I, people I, to I, do I, it. Did I legit think it's a psyop? There's something bigger about that. That's a psychological operation, Casey. Yes, anyone knows this, but the government leverage is on you every time you turn on the TV. Right? What you every know, Disney movie is. They've technically got a way of actually getting rid of all mosquitoes, and you make the next generation uh, infertile, so that they can't perpetuate. So perhaps they're like going, okay, like cockroaches. Maybe that's what they do, right? So you're trying to. The reason they actually won't wipe out mosquitoes. I just learned this the other day is they don't know the actual environmental impact long-term. We don't yeah. know what mosquitoes really do other yeah. than bite and kill everybody. piss you off. <laughs> yeah. And, like, dude, especially you go to, like, you get a house over here by Utah Lake, that's mosquito central. You don't know if you've ever, like, yeah. have oh, yeah. friends over there. It's like, yeah, dude, that looks pretty until your children thing, are, like all those Dude, constantly. So they have a means of actually legitimately getting rid of all mosquitoes, but they're not doing it because they don't know the impact. So it's kind of funny. Maybe this cockroach thing. Because if a nuclear bomb goes off, they're actually the only things that are alleged to be able to survive. Freaking nasty little, ugh, bro. Yeah. I did pest control for too long. Those they, things are They got to hang out with Wally. What? They got to hang out with Wally, man. They got to hang out with Wally. 
I love that movie. All right, what you got? So authorities in Tennessee said they're trying to find the owner of a 300-pound mysterious pig that's wandering around and causing property damage. They are The Carter County Sheriff's Office has said in a Facebook post that they're hoping that the owner will turn up because they do not have the resources or the capacity to house or capture a 300-pound pig. So they that's are just letting it pig. run around rapid in the hopes that the owner will be like, that's my pig. That's my pig. <laughs> that's my pig. Yeah. You know, that's a... Oh, we got a hot swap here. Um, in Texas, boars are an enormous issue. Okay. They do something like... Gosh, I'm gonna get the number wrong, but it's in the tens of millions of damage annually to farmland, to regular land. So they have these giant ass boards. That's where I grew up. So yeah. Texas, you see it. We got these camps, and you just see this hillside. It's just upturned because they're looking for grubs and stuff. Well, they're also like 600 pounds, and they're freaking angry as hell. Wow. And so you can legally go and shoot as many boars as you want in Texas. Dude, that was the question I had. I was like, why don't they just fucking kill this pig? Can't find it, bro. I have a big party with all the bacon and everything. Right? <laughs> it's got feelings. It does have yeah, feelings. It does. Pigs are crazy smart. Yeah. I kind of stopped eating bacon lately. Uh, if you thought my polarizing comments were bad then, I kind of, I'm listening to my body. I used to love bacon and then I eat it and I'm like, I don't like how I feel eating this. And so I'm just not. You're like, okay. I'm not going to hate on you for that. Like, Come on, bro. I mean, bacon's amazing, but the I, I get that, dude. Like <laughs> I've, I've gotten to the point of with, I don't, I don't even eat three full meals anymore. Really? Yeah. Like if I like if I have a really big breakfast, you know, high in protein, all that stuff, I'll just have like a shake and for my lunch, and then I'll have a full dinner and stuff because I'm trying to keep it that you know two twenty two hundred calories a day with you doing one hundred fifty to two hundred grams of protein. Do you find that it's like difficult to actually count calories? Because I'm coming from I a don't place count of for shit. Okay, because I don't even know how to cook. Like I'm. 30. Do you use the Superhuman app? No. Okay, so I try to. My poor coach, like I don't count for shit with my calories. <laughs> Like I try, I get people annoyed. get obsessive, man. Oh, they do, dude. My son, my tw- he'll be twenty one in two weeks. He counts everything, bro. And there's no rhyme behind. I, I swear, this kid's got Aspergers or some shit. He's on the spectrum because he just does the weirdest stuff for Smartest no reason. Ones are, man, that's not him though. So, I mean, he's not he's not dumb. He's just daft. Anyway, love you, buddy. Um, You're starting to see the results in it though. I mean, by having a little more conscientious, being a little more conscientious of your diet, your your input, your macros, your calories. Crap that I didn't give, I didn't care for at all. And then now I'm kind of, I'm 30 and I'm starting to go, you know what? Maybe I should take a little bit more inventory on my body. What's oh, dude, going your metabolism in. just slows down. Your testosterone goes away. Like, uh, so you have to start taking a different supplementation route too to keep your body. You have to prioritize it. it. I'm healthier than I've ever been at, you know, my oh, age yeah. now, 46 and just plan on getting better. And it's because I put a needle in my cheek. I go to the doctor get the thyroid stuff handled like nice. it's it's all i mean you don't look this good that little war unless it's uh, by design you know what i'm saying no <laughs> but a um, genetic anomaly no but you know back to the pig thing like they, they can't fucking figure out how to pick this pig up no he's not that big no. 300 pounds that's a big pig but like get a just, forklift what are you talking about huh be a certified forklift operator get all the ladies i just want to th- i keep thinking about like they see the pig somewhere. Some civilian is like, "What the fuck is that?" Are you, civilians you see that non-pig thing? owners? Do you? What, what is <laughs> is that a whore? What? They have to identify because a pig that big, I bet, doesn't look like a pig. I mean, it looks like a pig, but you're like, it's too big to be a pig. What do you think the average weight of a pig is? Because I don't know, I don't think eighty pounds, maybe. Like, really? I don't know. I don't know anything about pigs. I'm just either. guessing 
from like what I've seen in like you know farms and stuff I've been sure. to. I mean they're they're about the size of a dog. The yeah. average yeah. weight of a pig is between three hundred and seven hundred pounds. So this is a normal size really? pig. Yeah, this is like a. So there's just a pig. This on isn't the even a current event. This, this is, is babe like, hey, in the this city. This is Tuesday in North Carolina. Hey, yeah, the pig's out. <laughs> a pig in the city. Babe in the, the woods. <laughs> Dang, dude. Uh, North Carolina is a wild place. I'm glad you didn't say pig sex in the city because that just would have been too funny. That's not my uh, arsenal of jokes. I'll let you take that one. I don't want to hear these things. <laughs> I'm haunted. You know, so I when I was at Mr. Beast, the whole operations in North Carolina. Yeah. It was fascinating because despite it being very north, like high in the raiment of the states, they are southern as hell. I came back from that with like a little yeah. drawl. And, uh, like, it's just, it was so interesting There's to go to. There's a lot of backwoods in North Carolina. So much, dude. And it's all spread out. Like, we lived in this tiny-ass town where it's, like, there's a hospital. There's the number three party school in the nation. And then there's Mr. Beast. And that Which was, was it. NC State or? Uh, uh, ECU. ECU. Okay. ECU. Yeah. In the Appalachian Mountains. Dude, it was just the craziest place. Bow, bow, bow. And it was, it, it, people have known each other for generations. There's, like, families that have, like, beef with other families from, Somebody did this thing to my tractor back in the 70s. And now our yeah. families don't talk. Like and it's Hatfields like fields and McCoys type shit. Literally. And they won't yeah. do business with each other. If anything overlaps, it turns into this whole weird thing. Oh, you're one of them Capulets. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real thing. I didn't. I know, dude. The idea of family feuds. I mean, it's in Shakespeare. It's Romeo and Juliet. The whole book's about ba that basically. Yeah. Southern edition. I mean, oh, Hatfield McCoy. There's like a Maybe TV poison. show about that. I find that to be so interesting because it's like, you want to talk about a framework? You want to talk about a religion? Hating that dude is a religion. Dude, literally. Yeah. It is exactly that. You yeah. ascribe to it and you get your emotions wrapped up into it. Yeah. You feel galvanized by putting them down as the villain. Where are the better ones coming out of the It's like, it, that's silly. It's almost like it's happening in our country right now about people that didn't get vaccinated. It's like there's a general hatred for them. Yeah. That like needs those to... dumb idiots, they didn't want to take that special big farmer juice and help out their neighbor. Even though the juice has never been tested and it doesn't have any proof it's working and it actually doesn't work. But, hey, they won't do it so they don't hate their grandma. Well, we got to hide all the data for 55 years because it was so effective. We don't want to surprise nobody with the promising. Yeah, YouTube's going to cut us off now. Like, Sorry, bro. <laughs> I mean, all of that's like wild, giant mass experimentation. You I got, had everything others? else. Welshman drank at 56 pubs in 24 hours for the Guinness World Record. That's what's up, dude. Hell yeah. However, how? How much did you ever, drink? However. Sips. They had a uh, little asterisk. He didn't have to drink alcohol at the pubs to count. Fuck out of here. Yeah, I was dude. excited. How's that a and record? Then, um, um, so he went to so, so he did he went to fifty six stores in an hour in a day. Yeah, pretty much. Don't give that guy that's anything. sensational. They don't they don't right say there. how much mm -hmm. he how much alcohol that's he drank. Good. The quote is I that knew I had to stay off the Guinness because next time I go to the drink. mall, <laughs> I'm gonna say I visited twenty I'm gonna say I visited two hundred stores in four hours. That you just got to look at. I don't have to buy record. anything at those stores. I just could walk through them all. One of the last things we should talk about is the the UFO conversation. I don't know enough about it. Oh well, it's a blast. I blocked it out. Okay, I got to tell you something. Okay, I, I mm, no one's gonna believe us, but I don't care because I had three friends there with us. Oh, we're you, on you got a, probed. Uh, well, yes, but, but it's fine. I sit better now. I don't. Yeah. She asked first, at least. Gosh. <laughs> The picture of the scene, we're deep in meditation. Me and my friends, we're in our front porch out in holiday. Where yeah. We're just like late at night. We've been having this unbelievable conversation. We go, you know what? Like, let's try and make contact and open ourselves up. We are on the back patio for an hour. And we have all of these trees. And they're blocking out all the light pollution. We have this beautiful conduit right to the night sky. 
And you start seeing, if you do that long enough, you're going to feel like an idiot until something happens. And so like some things that are as far away as stars, if a star is there fixed in the heavens and you see that, and then suddenly it does something that stars don't do. And it does this and then that and the other. I have no decent way of explaining it. I saw helicopters that night. I saw planes that night. They had the red lights, FAA regulations. That was, it was not any of those. So we see these things come in from like, it's just one, goes here, hits this point, And then it looks like it's coming on to like, what well, has to be an on-ramp or something. It kind of changes and then it goes straight on for a bit and then disappears at this one spot. Maybe it went behind something. Maybe it went up. No idea. We're just like, that's a trip. Don't have a great explanation for that. And then 15 more over the next 10 minutes start appearing from different directions and they all hit the exact same point in the sky like, a, like an on-ramp onto a highway, single file. And then they go into this direction and then either go behind something, which is the same spot they all disappear, or maybe it gained a ton of altitude and took off. Don't know what it is. Don't know how to explain it. It was bananas though. And I think my friends were convinced that it was life forms from something else. And I've kind of come to terms with most of that is probably just experimental aircraft. Like we don't know anything about, but I also welcome the idea that there could be, you know, potentially another That's it, a trip, dude. It was awesome. It was so, so, so cool. I'm thinking of interstellar. Like that. Why? Just the movie. Like, cause it's like, it sounds like you got a, uh, I don't know. A, what do they call it? The portal thing. Oh yeah. Wormhole. Wormhole. There it is. Yeah. I mean, it's not outrageous to assume that like there's just there's been no technological leaps. Dude, the Congress had a thing about dude. We, the aliens are real. That's why I th I th absolutely biodiversity in the oceans completely unexplored. It's seventy percent of the planet. We have no idea what the hell's in it. Yeah. We find new species all the time. So to assume that like all life in all the universe is just found in our little marbles, pretty dumb. Yeah. But I also think that Congress and the government shining a light onto this, I find more sus. Yeah, it's it's a distraction. It's a red herring. So whatever that looks like, I think it's, yeah, we're just trying to make them think it's aliens when it's just us with some dope-ass spacecrafts. The TR-3B is one of the, this is really going to get us flagged now. There's a Google patent, and it's a triangular anti-grav spaceship. You can look on Google patents right now, TR-3B, real patent. And uh, it's kind of like, I th my guess is it's like the F-150 workhorse of like, you know, whatever echelon of things they're working on at that level. Because the, the triangle craft, everybody sees it all the time. And then the patents are everywhere. Anyway, so that's kind of fun to think about. Chew on that. So aliens, I uh, Nellis Air Force Base down in Las Vegas area. I had a friend, his uncle. We were sitting there. He was worked for the Air Force for numerous years. I was asking him, "Is there aliens?" And he said, "I can't tell you anything. However, I can allegedly tell you that where our water is, that little lake out there in Nelson Air Force Base, there is a runway underneath. And I was like, that's all you're gonna leave me with? And he's like, yeah. I was like, dope. Dude, the aliens are real, man. This isn't even, I don't ah. even get turned on by this conversation anymore. It's like, I'm yeah. trying to arouse it's you, like, bro. No, they're, they're, they're real. I just, let's meet them. I love Joe Those Rogan's example of like what aliens actually do. Aliens look at us like we're an anthill. And oh, they're like, they're like, look at these idiots, man. Yeah, they spit this I'm thing in the waste back. my time. They can't even get along. <laughs> We're gonna. I'm out. Did you, anyway, did you so, know that there um, are tribes in like I think it's in Peru uh, or in the Amazon? You were legally not allowed to interfere with them because they are so um, regressed in terms of Homo sapien like development evolution. They hunt with spears, lion cloths. They have their own language, and no one's allowed to yeah, interact a bunch with them of those in anything. Brazil. Okay, yeah, there you go. So, so I mean, it's not outrageous to see if we're the equivalent to them. 
we're a breakaway society from them. They're like, what do you mean you got iPhones? You know, what is a TikTok? It's, what is it? I still have that question. What are them tacs? <laughs> it's not outrageous to assume that at some point over the course of history with a country like China, it's been around for a thousand, two thousand years. And it, there could be breakaway societies, the 1% of the 1%. And of course they got cool cars. They don't give a crap about your Lambo. There's fly. Yeah. You know, I got to meet those guys. I think, uh, call us, you know, if you're out there you're listening, I think that's, uh, I think that's a good part to adjourn <laughs> that on. a good part. Yeah. Hell yeah. Dude, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. I appreciate you, man. This is fun. Dude, Let's do yeah. it again. So, uh, yeah, we'll have you come back a bunch more, man. It's fun to talk that maybe we'll, maybe we'll do some like, like segments. I would be so down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm going more detail on uh, some of the stuff we did before too. Yeah. On the last pod. Now we can really get into the weeds on it. So uh, if people want to find you, where do they go? Uh, most of it's through Instagram. Just Brady Edwards. Brady Deluxe. Brady Deluxe. I forgot about that. Yeah, I know. I was thinking that was going to be my artist name for the longest time, but I'm, I'm changing it now before my music releases. So, yeah. Like, <laughs> you it just kind of outgrew. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Right after this, I'm headed to a studio session with my producer. 13th session. Dude. What do you, like, we're going to drop it there. You have to come back and tell us about your music. All right, deal. Yeah, we can play it. It'll be fun. Okay. It's, it's cool. It's kind of like, I don't know if you've listened to the Kid Leroy, probably not. Juice World, MGK. Yeah. It's kind of a blend between all of those yeah, um, with kind of my own take on it. I've been okay. singing for 20-something years, and I was like, I finally just need to send it. So I did. Let's, I want to hear it. I mean, before we – let me yeah. hear Yeah, I will. Play the Tesla. Brady Edwards, my man. Appreciate you guys. This has been awesome. Thanks, friends. Later. Hey, thank you so much for watching this video. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, I would ask that you like, subscribe, share it. You want more videos? Check out over here. We got them for you. See you on the next one.